Welcome back to the Act Two podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I'm Josh Hallman. I'm sighing about the working screenwriter part because I think Josh and I are both having difficult weeks <laughs> writing wise. And so it's like, oh, like that's just I, the job. I was just venting to you, Tasha, and I started the podcast and then you went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to change our moods. All right, I'm ready. Okay, Act 2 is a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. And this podcast is just one of our many initiatives. So thank you for joining us here. Also, yeah. do know we've moved all Act 2 and podcast news over to Act 2 Writers on Twitter. So migrate over there. It's going to be nothing but screenwriting stuff. Which is great because I don't know about you, but like I don't like engaging on screenwriting Twitter because I think people be crazy. But the uh -huh. Act Two Twitter, the Act Two Twitter is not shy about engaging in screenwriting Twitter. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we could do an entire episode of like just like breaking down screenwriting Twitter and the craziness behind it. When people will be like, "Here's just a quick thought I have," and then it just just spirals <laughs> out of control and turns into just madness, ruins careers. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting place. You can also DM us if you'd like with questions or topic suggestions, or you just want to say hi. You can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com, which is all spelled out, or on our Instagram at act2writers. I'm also on Instagram at Story Thursday and on Twitter at Tasha3.0. And I'm on Twitter at Joshua Hallman and Instagram at Josh Hallman. All right, what are we talking about today? reps <laughs> agents again this is a hot topic i think it's the most talked about topic among working screenwriters i feel like it's this and notes those are the two things that i feel like we talk about constantly and in this particular episode we're going to talk specifically about how to have a good relationship with your reps or actually i should say we're going to talk specifically about what a good relationship looks like yeah Great. Are we focusing on agents or are we, are we? We're going to focus on we... agents today and we're going to do managers another day because I think both Josh and I feel like that's sort of a different job. And there's definitely this huge Venn diagram wherein those jobs intersect completely. And of course, there are writers who only have one, you know, agent or a manager and they don't have the other. So yes, that that's a true thing. But I think Traditionally, they operate a bit differently, so we're going to save that for another episode. Today is yeah, just totally. how to have a good relationship or what a good relationship looks like with your agent. And the reason I keep correcting myself is because we have another episode, go back early on, where we talk about sort of practical things that you can do to have a better relationship with your reps. And that's kind of not what this episode is. This episode is a snapshot of what a good relationship looks like on a day-to-day basis because a writer actually asked us, hey guys, I fired my reps. I don't know what to do now. I don't know what a good relationship looks like. Can someone please tell us? And I think Josh mm -hmm. and I both have very different but also very good relationships with our reps. So we're going to kind of talk about what that looks like for us. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of compare the differences or just talk about the differences that we have and not to go into this world, but I definitely lean on my manager for almost everything. And then I have a different relationship with my agent. And uh, I know you're a little, you're, you're different in that regard. Mm -hmm. 
So we're break that shit down. Yeah, I'm excited because, like I said, we both have great relationship with our reps, but it is such a different relationship. And I think that's important to mention, too, because I think a lot of writers think there's only sort of one thing to look for in reps or, or one sort of direction to go and looking for reps. And there's not. It really just depends on you. And that's kind of the hard part about our business, in my opinion, is that there's no right answer or no right direction, which just makes it feel harder to manage. So hopefully this episode helps you so you can see kind of two sides of a coin that does really work. Totally. And everyone, everyone, like I feel like all writers, just pretty much everyone in the entertainment world, even if you're an actor or you just want an agent or a manager or you mm -hmm. want reps, you want like someone to represent you and, and be like, I got your back. And like, and when you get one, all of your writing problems go away. That's what's so great about having a rep. That was a joke. <laughs> That's not true. Your career suddenly just skyrockets. Everything no, is it's perfect. It's awesome. <laughs> right. So today we're going to explore two very different versions of a healthy writer-rep relationship. And I think the first place to start, Joshua, is to yeah. talk about what an agent is supposed to do for you as the client, just objectively, like the facts, what their job is. Yeah. And also, real quickly, how did you get your agent? Oh, for me, I had a manager first, Cousin Pete, mm -hmm. shout out to Cousin Pete. Cousin Pete. And I, I'll, I'll start with how I got my manager. So I was in a writer's group with Josh and Dave, friend of the podcast, and yeah. uh, another guy <laughs> whose name I won't mention, but he was in a hiking group with a bunch of people who were like, kind of in their 20s looking to kind of network or lurking to make friends because they were new to LA. And this particular guy who was in our writers group was just very big on socializing, unlike me. Uh -huh. And so while he was out on this hiking group, he happened to talk to cousin Pete, who was looking for writers because he was just leaving his creative executive business and was starting his own management company. And this writer in our group said, Oh, I have a writer for you. And in my memory, he recommended me to Cousin Pete, but I think Dave has since told me that what happened was he actually recommended Dave to Cousin Pete, and then it was Dave who then recommended me to Cousin Pete. And that's Whoa. how Cousin Pete got a hold of my sample. And then Cousin Pete became my manager shortly after that, and he did the legwork to try to get me an agent. And I met with maybe two or three agencies and ended up with Gersh. Which shout out cool. to Mark Hardigan because he listens to this podcast. My agent, Mark. Hi, Mark. Hey, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you? So you've been with him since Cousin Pete? Yeah. Wow. I was trying to go back to my earliest emails of when the first time I like messaged Gersh. And it was somewhere around 2012, 2013. Wow. This is, so this is all because of that dude who we both know that we're just not mentioning his name because it's so fucking weird. Uh, uh, that dude in the hikers group. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Writers group. Yep. So you have a pretty good, that's, that's good to know because I feel like when you have a long-term working relationship with this great, great manager or agent, Mark, what up, Mark? It, it feels, you know, you guys know each other now. You're, you're, yeah. you've evolved from 
agent and client to kind of like agent client friend. I love Mark. I hope he considers me a friend. <laughs> acquaintance. <laughs> Friendly acquaintance. He did not invite me to his wedding, but. <laughs> mm. That's okay. You didn't come to mine and you're my friend. Oh, so. God. All right. I should have brought it up. Anyways, how did you meet your manager? <laughs> I met agent? my manager through, well, wait, I met my agent. I oh, wait, I met my agent before my manager. I, I oh, met my right. agent, Boxerbaum, over through a screenwriting competition, the Austin Film Festival. That's right. Yeah, so I, I, I won a screenwriting competition and then I guess my script went out and I got some calls and then I ended up meeting with them and uh, I, yeah, so that's how I met Box. It's like 2015. Yeah, a, it's a good story. The full story is back on our other podcast about agents and managers. So go listen yeah, to it because it's a good one. Yeah. And then you met your manager. How? Well, Tasha, I met John through you. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I, you did. <laughs> I got connected. I got connected with John. And then John turned into, you know, I'm closer with him. We'll message each other outside of uh, entertainment stuff. And I give him a lot of shit about stuff. And he gives me a lot of shit about stuff. But he's been patient with me. And I, I love John. And how long have you been with John and Box? I was with uh, uh, John, I think, since 2018. Okay. So 2015 agent, 2018 mm -hmm. John. Okay. And you've had managers in between... 2015 agent and 2018 I've had John. one manager between from 2015 to 2018 and it was one of the weirdest and worst rep stories that I could possibly imagine that he, he <laughs> it, it crashed and fucking burned pretty hard yeah it's a good story too also on the other episode <laughs> <laughs> and worth listening to <laughs> I'll, I can rehash that one day. One day when I feel confident enough, I'll just completely just lay it all out. I would out. love it. Yeah. Just name names and just go for it. I'm sure there will yeah, be no wine problem. involved in that episode. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it though. It happened. I might as well not lie about it. It's my truth, Tasha. It's, it's my truth. Truth's a power, Josh. <laughs> all right. Let's get into this. What a healthy relationship looks like. But again, starting with what is an agent supposed to do? And now that you've seen what they're not supposed to do with that bad story, <laughs> can you kind of sum up for us what you feel like an agent is supposed to do for their client? I feel like an agent should actively be looking for jobs for you, open writing assignments. They should be, this is what, where I'm a little bit more uh, versed with my agent is that I work so, so much in the spec world, like he takes out a spec. He'll set up meetings after the spec is done. Uh, he will set up meetings if I message him and ask, hey, I'm, I'm trying to meet with so-and-so. He's a bit of a sounding board at times, but that's sort of more for my manager. That's good. I mean, for for me, I feel like it's all, it's all of what you said. I think first it's to get you meetings and... Sort of my asterisk there is they're, they're not there to get you jobs. They're there to get you meetings, which we can talk about the difference and what that means. Second yeah. is they're there to guide your career. The third thing is I think they, they're there to give you accurate and up-to-date information about the industry and about the people who work in it. And then the last thing is really they're there to give you career advice so you can make informed decisions for yourself. And we're going to break each of those down individually, but it's all basically what 
Josh is saying. They're that teammate for you so that you're no longer having to work all by yourself and do the hustle all by yourself. They're there to help you with the hustle, but not to take it over, I think is a thing we mistake when we're coming up. Wait, to not take over the hustle? Yeah. It's not their job to now just do the hustle for you and all you get to do is just sit back and write and you never have to worry about networking again because they're going to find all the oh, jobs Oh, right, right, you. right. That's not really, unfortunately, how it works. They're more like a teammate Right. the hustle. I, well, this is something I, I don't want to jump ahead to this, but I feel like where we're different is I feel like you really have teammates. Whereas with my relationship, I totally understand like, I let's just say I would be messaging box more than he would be messaging me. Like mm -hmm. I, for me, it's like when a new script has been written or something comes up with a previous script that, you know, we had taken out in the past. So I'm not talking to him on a weekly basis is what I'm, what I'm getting at here. Yeah. But do you still feel like that's a healthy client agent relationship? I do. I, I do because for me, I now I have a manager who I lean on for a lot of things. If I just had an agent and I felt like I was kind of missing out on certain things, uh, that would be a different story. But I never at at no point do I feel like I'm I'm like out of the loop on something or um, missing out on something, which I felt like that before. Yeah, that's a huge that's a huge purpose uh, for reps right that they they bring you in and they make sure that you know they're actively guiding your career that's that's one of the the bullet points i guess and maybe it's a misstep to separate agents and managers because you are a case where that relationship really blends for you and for me my manager and agent operate in very different ways there is a venn diagram where they do they do overlap in what they do, but for the most part, I use them for different things. So maybe for the sake of this episode, when you kind of talk about your relationship, feel free to talk about how your manager does this job for you as well. I will. I okay. I will, I will do that, Tasha. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's talk about the first thing that agents are meant to do for their client, that if you have this as part of your relationship with your agent, that's part of the healthy aspect there, which is that they get you general meetings. So how often would you say your reps set you up on meetings? It, it kind of hits in waves, to be honest with you. It's really, if I'm sending out, if we send out a new spec, then I will be going out on a lot of meetings surrounding that spec. But when there's nothing going on, it is for me, at least it's very rare that I'm taking a meeting. Uh, and I'm accustomed to that. That's not, I'm not like, that's not a complaint or anything like that. That's just how I personally think it works. Every once in a while, I'll get a message, usually from John, uh, my manager, who's like, hey, uh, you have a general with so-and-so. What are, you know, what about these dates, et cetera? And so that's how it works for me. How often would you say that phone call from John happens? When we, when we don't take out a spec? Yeah. Let's just say... It's an email, first of all, Tasha. Email, sorry. Second email. of all, uh, like once a month. Okay. Yeah, and in, in between that time, you are actively writing one or more specs. So that's what your day is consumed with, right? And then you sort of get this burst of meetings where people are excited about what you're working on, which yeah. 
yeah, I think that that process for you definitely makes sense because in those in-between periods, you're just really diving in. Um, I think for me, when I'm not actively working on multiple things and my my reps are really good at being like, Tasha's super busy, so let's not overwhelm her with meetings or Tasha needs more meetings. And they'll kind of gauge that for me as well. But yes, once a month is definitely the average. And then when they're really on their game, it'll be a couple times a month that they'll set me up on new general meetings. I feel like you have a general meeting like twice a day. Sometimes it feels like I have a lot. Can I ask you one more thing? Yeah. Do you have a joint calendar with your agents? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm oh, sorry to laugh. Is that a thing? <laughs> well. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I have one with John. Really? My manager. Yeah, but that it only comes in handy when we take things out. So he'll put something in and there's like a... a uh, I think so he knows when the meeting's happening as well. That's amazing. No. That's great. But I, I know that because I just always input things myself. Right. Yeah. So it just pops up. That's cool. I like that. Mark, if you're listening, I mean, let's get on that. <laughs> yeah, Mark, it's been a seven-year friendship. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's very cool. Um, I like that a lot, especially because, yeah, you know your reps are paying attention to how many meetings there are uh, because it's on his calendar or her calendar. But yeah, that's I, I thought that was a normal thing, but that's just he's just he's he's on top of shit like no, that. No, that's cool. I like that. So do you ever actually ask your reps to set meetings up for you? And if so, how often do you do that? And what does that communication look like? I never do it. I maybe have done it once or twice, but oh, otherwise I always try to do, I just try to do it myself. Oh, I see what you're saying. So like if there is what an executive out there that you'd like to meet rather than mm -hmm. go through your reps to set up that meeting, you'll just contact that rep direct or that executive directly. Yeah. How do you even find their information? I'm a well, if so, I've written John or excuse me, I've written my reps and I'm just going to say reps and it's blending. Like you said, yeah. sometimes it's it's yeah. Uh, I'll write my reps and be like, hey, there's so-and-so that would be really cool to meet with or whatever. And um, I think it's, you know, it's happened before where something gets set up or I'll get information about the project that I was inquiring about or whatever, whatever that may be. But um, I usually just try to reach out to someone myself. Really? Yeah. Or I'll try to, be, I'll be like, do you, Tasha, do you know so-and-so? Or I'll ask a friend, like, do you know so-and-so? I'm a really big fan of like, dropping a message to my reps and being like I'm, I'm going on a general meeting for something interesting all right that's very Listen, impressive no no it's not impressive i think you know that i just kind of have that i would you know i the gatekeeper thing is always kind of irked yeah. me so I, I like to kind of do as much as i can well you know what's interesting it. about it is because in the last episode we talked about how you were starting to be proactive and emailing execs that you'd met previously to just Mm -hmm. touch base and try and reconnect and i didn't realize you were already doing that to even set up those meetings originally so you actually are an incredibly proactive client yourself so the way i do it i guess is not as cool as you you you're more of a boss than i am but if i see no. what like a a deadline article or something of this production company that has optioned a book that i really loved and would love to get in on that i will send them 
the deadline article and be like, hey, can like, could I get a meeting here? This book is amazing. Mm -hmm. This is why I love it. Or I just saw a show that I really loved and I want to meet the producer. I will email my reps to, to ask if they could set a meeting up for me with that person. So I always do it through them. I never, ever go directly unless it is like you say like some kind of recommendation from someone then i will mm. always do it myself meaning i met recently i reconnected with an old friend of mine who's an executive and they had moved to a different company so she wanted to just tell me what they were doing at their new company and as we were talking she's like you know what you should really meet over at such and such company and so i just set that meeting up myself and let my reps know afterwards but if it's ever a new introduction that I just have no connections with, I will always go through my reps first. And what's so great about them is there's never a, like, no, Tasha, we can't do that, or eh, I'm not sure that yeah. that's the right move for you, Tasha. It's like, yep, we'll get it done. Yeah. You know, actually, just today, someone had sent over a script to me. They were like, I thought of you when I read the script. Of course, it was an action script. And I was reading about it, and the script has a director and some uh, and producers attached. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Do you know anyone like affiliated with this? And he happened to know the producers. And I was like, I would love to meet this guy. And that just happened like a couple hours ago. So that's mm -hmm. a good example of how it's kind of random because I didn't actively seek out yeah. this person. It was just like, I read something. I kind of liked the script. And then I asked if I could meet with the producer through that friend. In that case, do you inform your reps that you're going to take the meeting? Do you just tell them after you've taken the meeting? Do you tell them at all? I just tell them after. Hey, I met with so-and-so. Bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'll email them before, just be like, hey, I'm having this meeting. Is there anything I should know about this company or these executives? Or is there anything they're working on that I should know about? And they will give me that information. Or yeah. they'll say, nope, I don't know that person, whatever it may be. But that's that's sort of what the pre-email would look like. But I agree, I, I don't do that as much anymore. I think just because now I'm so used to generals that I know I can get that information in the meeting itself. But yeah. I will almost always communicate with my reps via email after a meeting just to say, hey, I met at this place. I met with these people. This is, these are the projects I talked about. These are the things the company wants to work on, just FYI. And it's just for them to, and they might just immediately delete these emails. I don't know. But in my mind, there's like this running list of like people that Tasha has met, that Tasha knows, that are fans yeah. of Tasha, so that when I have a new spec that goes out or something, they know, oh yeah, that person, Tasha met them here and they liked her stuff here. Um, so it's just so that as team, we're all on the same page about whom I've met and who I know. Yeah, that's it. it. Listen, I don't mean to get too far off track, but what's interesting is that I agree you shouldn't, or you should kind of approach it as a team. Be like, hey, this is what we're doing. But I also do operate under this idea that like nobody cares. Like, yeah. that's how I think. I'm like, no one fucking actually cares if I'm meeting with so-and-so unless it's something really, really important that they have to care. So I will never – there have been times when I've given updates before going into a meeting. Um, but I just always think in my head, I'm like, I, they don't care that I'm meeting this person. You know what? I think that that's actually a misstep 
because I feel like if your reps know you're taking these meetings and you're actively doing it on your own, they see that you are a proactive client who's just trying to get out there and like doing the grind. And that means they want to spend more time on you because you're actually doing the job versus someone who is not taking any meetings, not trying on their own to do anything, not making connections. So like, why would I try and help that person when it's just so much harder to move that rock up a hill? Than, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I do. I mean, I, that's why I, why I will say something like after a meeting. Yeah. But I, I definitely Trust me, agree I fight that. the urge. I fight it because I'm like, they don't fucking care that I'm meeting this person, <laughs> but I'm writing this email anyways. <laughs> and it really started because I just wanted to be in their heads and I just wanted them to see my name in their inbox particularly mm -hmm. when I first started with them, just so that they wouldn't forget me because I heard all the horror stories about no, reps 100%. forgetting their clients. And so that was sort of my way of doing it. And now it's just become habit. And, you know, I'll get like a smiley face from my agents as a reply to those emails or like, great, Tasha, keep up the good work. Yeah. No, let me be very clear. I 100% agree with that. Like always be in the heads of your reps if you can. And yes, yeah. that is that is probably a big reason why I do reach out afterward and be like, hey, I just met with so-and-so. Like, you know this story. Just recently, a, a creator of a show that we both enjoy, I was connected with this person and I never told my reps. And long story short is one of my reps emailed me and was like, hey, we have a request for some, some of your <laughs> scripts from this one guy. Like, what the fuck is going on here? And... Uh, I was like, oh yeah, I, I've been like kind of hustling to meet with this person, blah, 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 blah. So they sent over some, uh, some scripts. Yeah. And God, yeah, I wish, I wish I could tell, like say names well, on this podcast one day, I'm going to just flip the, the switch and just start naming names. Can't we just say the name of this person? It's too late sure. now. That's nah, too late. <laughs> <laughs> You've lost your chance. <laughs> yeah. It's the time has come and gone. All right, so now that you've had your meeting, you may or may not have emailed your agents <laughs> afterwards to say, hey, I did this, and this is what we talked about. What do your agents then do after the meeting? Or if they do anything? Yeah, you tell me. You know better than I, I, for me, it's usually, unless there's a specific request, like if I just tell someone I met with, if I, hey, I had a general with uh, Tasha, it's like, okay, great. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's usually what happens as well. I think the only time... It, that they will do anything after the meeting is if it's a huge meeting. If it's mm, something yeah, they yeah, have yeah. set up personally and it's a huge meeting, they'll be like, great, we'll follow up with them. And basically what they do is they just check in with the exec to be like, how'd you like Tasha? And almost always they're going to say, oh, I loved her, mm -hmm. even though it's a lie. <laughs> but hopefully your agents can tell the lie from the truth. Um, but another reason why you should follow up after your meetings with your reps is because sometimes, um, you know, there'll be plenty of times where executives in my general will talk about a book or something or a, an idea that they have, but they'll quickly gloss over it. And it's just like one in a list of things. And it doesn't feel organic in the conversation for me to go, oh, but go back to that thing. I want to hear more about that. And so in my head, I'll just kind of flag it. And then in my email to my reps after my meeting, I'll say, hey, they mentioned such and such book, which is really cool. Do you would you be able to like get a little bit more information on that? And so they'll be mm -hmm. like, yep, absolutely. We'll call the executive and we'll find out what's going on with it. And then I'll get a reply back shortly after their conversation, which is 
this is the book title this is what's going on with it they are or they are not looking for a writer etc so mm -hmm. they'll just do some intel for me if i need some after the meeting so that's always a good reason to check in as well and that's something that they should be doing for you that's a service <laughs> a service yeah no i i for sure and then just to quickly go back to our previous episode like down the line months and months go by you follow up with that exec or whoever you know and do it yourself and just say hey i was thinking of you and x y and z mm -hmm. and that's a good way to stay in contact yeah i just absolutely. wanted to, i just wanted to shout out our last episode <laughs> it's a good episode yeah all right so the second thing that i think makes a good relationship with your rep is that you find them helping guiding your career how i'm very curious like how do you feel like your reps guide your career either negatively or positively but how do you feel like they're sort of invested in getting their hands dirty in your career itself okay yeah this is interesting um the guidance wise when i sat down and talked with my one of my reps i basically talked about what i wanted to write this is what i want to do i really love action comedies I love action films like this is th these are what I want to do. And I really like I mean, obviously, high concept ideas are really hard to like uh, to 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 get a great high concept idea. But I love high concept ideas. So I'm always trying to think about that. And my reps, at least one of my reps know. So when we wrote something together, it was like, OK, let's let's stay in like this kind of s simple concept, kind of high concept idea that is an action comedy so we did that we did it again and the reason i bring this up is because there was a turn where we were sending out and we were doing working on a lot of action comedies and one of my reps was like hey why don't we switch it up like you've been doing this you can just blow it up do whatever you want to do if it, whether it be a passion project whether mm -hmm. it be just something you're really interested in like just think outside the box of your your uh you know what you normally write in and that led to another script, which is one that I've been uh, needing therapy on that I was telling you about right before this <laughs> podcast. And there's like a magical element to it. And there's it's just different. It's like complete. It's just a fucking different thing than something I've ever written before. And I, I say this to say and I'm saying all of this because that was the guidance where it was the, the moment was like, you need to switch it up, like blow up what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You have these scripts written you can do it now do something else and see what you know let's see if we can get some traction on it and um that that script story is a whole other podcast but there's that element and then there's also me talking out if i have a new idea of course i'll call my reps and be like what do you think of this and they most of the time get shot down for whatever reason oh there's something similar to this there is that's just don't do that because of x y and z and i always get reasons so it's not like they just give me the thumbs up to write anything mm -hmm. like actually i recently talked to my manager about a specific idea which i can't even remember but i he was like there's like one person who would buy this script like don't don't like i've gotten that note that. for sure where my manager is like tasha who's gonna buy this except disney like, mm -hmm. yeah but disney will buy it yeah but what if they don't then you have a script that you can't sell or yeah. make anywhere screw you i just want to make it all right tasha you can waste your time on it okay i will yeah, it's so crazy how it's such a great idea in your head. And you're like, this is it. And then you tell your reps and they're like, that's not even close to being it. <laughs> yeah, for me, 
my reps definitely know the genre I excel in as well. And so I think the way I see them guiding my career is that they're not throwing me up against a wall to see where I stick, meaning they don't just see any old open writing assignment over here about uh, a true crime story in small town Iowa and some rom-com over there in a travel bookshop mm-hmm. and put me up for those jobs. And even if I could legitimately get those jobs, like there's a good chance that I could get it, which is money in their pockets, money in my pocket even, me writing a rom-com or a mafia movie isn't necessarily going to help my career. Like me personally, who excels at more like creating big worlds, writing action, adventure, emotional character journeys in these fun spaces. Like that career is not going to be helped by a rom-com, right? So that's also an important part that I really appreciate about my reps now, which is not the way everyone thinks. I think there are plenty of writers who kind of don't care what they're writing as long as they're getting paid to do it. And if you're that kind of writer, then a good relationship with your agent will look like that. It will look like them putting you up for the rom-com and the true crime small town story as well. And whatever hits, hits. And that's great. That's also a version of a good relationship. But I think something my agents said to me recently, which really struck me and really just made me love them so much more, is that they said that the watchword for me in particular in my career is to follow your passion because I Mm. write best when I'm writing something I love, right? And I couldn't live without it. And there are many times that I've (laughs) written my agents and said, look, I know you have no idea what this IP is. It's super nerdy. I'm sure you've never heard of it, but I love it. And it looks like they're looking for writers. Can you please find a way for me to get a meeting there? And I've never once, God bless them, heard them ever say, no, Tasha, I don't think that's a smart idea. Instead, they say, if you're passionate about this, we'll do our best to help you get there. And I think one example that's really relevant right now is there's a potential job opportunity that I'm kind of going for that would be a huge studio movie. And I've never written a studio movie yet. It's a huge goal of mine. It's something I've definitely discussed with my agents as something I want to do in my career. And I would say I'm the closest I've been to doing that. But this other thing has come up and it's so much more obscure. It's so much more nerdy and niche. And my agents have definitely never heard of it or the people involved. So I'm like, oh, these superstars. And they're like, I've never heard of that person, Tasha. Uh (laughs) And it is at like a a major network, but it's just a smaller all around project, right? It's it's not going to make headlines. And for me, that's what I want to do. But this is, you know, the other project is a four quadrant movie, meaning it's a movie for everyone that would be played in theaters if it ever got made. And their response was, okay, we hear you, and if you love it, we're gonna keep our eye on it for you. We'll be supportive of you going after it. If that's where you wanna spend your time instead of on that big other studio movie, that's fine, go for it. Because they know I will write that thing way better than I'll write this other thing that I'm only kind of lukewarm about. And I think, contrast that to a bad manager relationship, which I once had, and I'd be curious what your career guidance, quote unquote, with your bad manager looked like. But by way of juxtaposition, just so you can put it in perspective, I'll talk about one particular instance with a bad manager that I had, where I once wrote a movie, and it was my second job ever. It's never gotten made. And it was for this really small production company. 
And at the time I had this rep who said, look, I don't want you having relationships with people like that. And I kind of forget the exact scenario. I think it was something like they were asking me to do a rewrite for something. And he was like, yeah, you're not going to do that. Mm. And the way it would look if I didn't do this rewrite was that I would be snubbing the company. And he knew that and he did not care because he said he didn't want me to be in business with people like that. He wanted me to be in business with people who are bigger than that. And he was like, who cares if you burn the small bridges? It only matters that we're building the big bridges. And the way he pitched it to me was like, kind of like an ego boost, right? Like Tasha, you're better than that. And you have to embrace that part of you, right? And I was like, yeah, like I wanna be better than that. Yeah, and I wanna have like this really big career. But there was something also so repulsive to me about that attitude. Because meanwhile, I also had my current agents at the time and they were like, yeah, sure, this production company is small potatoes, but we want you to have a good relationship with everyone you work with. We want everyone to love you because a big part of your career is repeat business, right? So we want yeah. people to like working with you that they want to hire you again for something else. And it doesn't matter if this production company is small and you know, we're not asking this question of like, well, what can you do for me now? Or what can you do for me later? It's just operate from a place of kindness and good worth work ethic and good business practices, no matter who it is. That's my agent's point of view. So when my man, my, this bad manager was feeding me this kind of ego bullshit, I was like, whoa, this feels, this feels wrong. <laughs> and it's interesting because that bad manager happened to be a former agent himself at a really big company. And you know, it was really enticing for a second, but at the end of the day, I had to part ways with him. That's ultimately why I fired him was because of that conversation, because it just didn't feel right. So that's just another version of what I think guiding your career can look like in a really healthy way from your reps. Is that big manager still doing his thing? Oh, yeah. Or that old manager? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I think he's, hmm. he's right for some people, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's interesting is that my bad manager that I had had a very similar mentality. Hmm. And yeah, that was, that was like, he would be like my, the bad manager would be like, all right, send me titles, send me fragments of ideas, send me this, like we, like, let's just get a really big idea. Now he might've just been do, like in all fairness and trying to cut him some slack. He may have been saying that because he knew how much I love studio movies and high concept things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he just wasn't, uh, I didn't really realize I needed someone a little bit more hands-on and uh, gentle. Yeah. Not like send me the quick, fast idea and let's sell this thing. It's like, let's talk about character. Let's talk about stories that you love and kind of work on it from a more personal ground level point of view. Yeah. You know what? There's, yeah, there's, benefits to both i guess like i could see myself you know if this bad manager and i you know like if it were the 80s this dude would be taking me out to do like fucking coke yeah. off of like the back of a <laughs> bright red car or something that was kind of his like big personality and be like come on yeah. man let's fucking go you know and i'd be like okay cool yeah that that personality is right for some people yeah it's interesting when i was sort of in the market for managers and i did a sort of uh, like serial dating kind of thing with meeting with different ones. There was something, there's a pattern I found very interesting of, of guys like you're describing where there's these managers who talk 
about how exciting your career could be. They kind of feed into what your hopes and dreams are as a young writer, which is you want to be doing the big movies. You want to, you want that glamorous career. And they say, I can get that for you, but you, you have to do, you know, you have to sacrifice these small companies instead or whatever it is. But there's something I think really interesting to that because for several reasons where a, like, I don't want to be the kind of person who shuns other relationships and um, kind of only only goes where the, the money and the power is. That's just sort of not who I am. That's just not my way of thinking. But B, I think that there's a problem with a lot of reps and newer writers where these newer writers, like I was in that case, you're kind of not really ready for the big jobs. And I remember a lot of managers that I was hunting for at the time, their selling point was, like my clients, I got them the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie and I got them the Transformers movie and I can do that for you. And I was like, oh my God, like I would love to write a TMNT movie. Yeah. Are you kidding me? But on the other hand, I have seen this happen very frequently where they get their new writer into those jobs. They get them hired because they can talk a big game and maybe that writer has a great sample, but the writer's not ready for that really big job. So the first job I ever had was to was to write a huge studio movie for Warner Brothers. And the movie I wrote for them was terrible. <laughs> and I'm not good. I was a good writer still, but I just wasn't an experienced writer. And the first draft I turned in, I swear to God, was probably like a $300 million movie. I was, remember that. Do you remember that? <laughs> it was unstructured, despite my best efforts to structure it properly. It was just an absolute mess. And I think, luckily, I saved myself a bit in my revised draft that I ended up turning in. So it wasn't a total disaster, and I can still show my face at Warner Brothers. But I wasn't ready for the job. And something I've seen a lot is that reps will put their clients up for the big jobs where their client isn't ready, and the writer will fail. And yes, yeah. did they get hired to write a big studio movie? Yes, they got a paycheck, but now they have a bombed <laughs> movie that they wrote and they've burned that bridge at that studio because that writer has proved they can't write a, a movie that gets greenlit and word travels really fast in our industry. So now other studio execs who are all friends will soon learn that that writer also crashed and burned. And I remember like feeling the energy of like, I want that TMNT movie and then thinking like, wait, he's just going to guide my career to wherever the money is. And he's not going to listen to what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And so I never ended up signing with that person because I didn't get the sense that he was going to guide my career personally. He was going to guide it fiscally. <laughs> if that makes yeah. Sense. The last thing I'll just say about this topic is, you know, you have to build bridges and not drop bombs. Like I, I yeah. firmly believe in that. I think you take meetings with everybody, you, you be polite to everybody. And it is so weird. The people that you meet again, or you see again down the line, years and years go by and you're like, Oh, you like, I've met you before. And I, I think I can say I've only burned one bridge, maybe two in like all of my time. And one of them was with my bad manager. Yeah. Which is good riddance to bad rubbish there. Fucker. Yeah. Um, 
And I think in terms of, you know, talking about what a healthy relationship looks like around guiding your career, and if the question is, okay, that's great, but how do you do that? You know, how do you get your, your rep to help guide your career if they're not already doing that? And also, how can you be active in that process? Because, again, that's a big thing Josh and I always talk about is you think that your rep is going to be just someone who'll just take all the weight off you, but in fact... There's someone who's just running alongside with you, giving you water and orange slices, right? So you're still having to hustle. And I'll say it actually brings on more pressure because you get your rep and you're like, oh my God, I did it. It's made, yada, yada, yada. But then they want to, you know, it's great for a minute, but then at some point the well dries out and you need to have new ideas and you need to give new scripts and you're feeling like, oh my God, like, now now I have someone who's like on my team and they're probably going to forget about me real soon if I don't like produce something like you yeah. just can't stop writing for a year. Yeah, which is nothing on them, by the way, because this is a job for them as well. Right. And it just yeah. doesn't make sense for them to invest their time when they have so many clients on their roster. I actually should ask Mark next time I talk to him how many clients he does have, because I imagine they have so many that even just the time it takes to email or call you, if you are not a writer who's frequently writing, frequently turning things in, frequently meeting people on your own, that time can be better spent on other people who are doing that job. So if you think about totally. it that way too, they're not villains. No, of course. I'd be doing the same thing. Yeah, you just have to. It's a time risk management thing we all have to go through. Yeah. But. To go back to kind of how you can be a part of building that relationship, that good relationship where, you know, you are together guiding your career. Another example of what that looks like on a practical level is something that I do every year is I meet with all of my reps in a single room. We haven't done it during the pandemic, but usually we'll just go meet at the agency and we'll talk about what my goals are for the year and the next few years. For example, that's the time when I might say, hey, I want to write a studio movie as soon as possible. And they'll say, okay, if you want to do that, then we need to get you meetings here, here, and here. And Tasha, why don't you tell us which studio movies you've liked recently? We can set you up with meetings with those executives. And we'll set you up with producers who have deals at those studios as well. So we're getting you in kind of everywhere. And oh, by the way, Tasha, you're also going to need a sample that could work as a studio movie sample. Your little tiny indie movie may be okay, but that's not necessarily going to show a studio executive that you can write a studio movie. So that's the part I have to play in that is have a sample that's good to go. So in other words, we come up with this actionable plan of attack for the year ahead that's not just for them, but also for me too, because again, we're a team. So a list of producers I want to meet with, a good sample. And I think it's saying very clearly, this is what I want, agents, and this is what we all need to do to get it. So that is also a really healthy look at a good relationship. That's the healthiest relationship I've ever heard. Best communication. Communication is key. (laughs) Actually, one other thing I think that I think about when I think about what a good relationship looks like regarding specifically guiding your career has come up kind of lately with my reps where I kind of spoke about before how some reps will set up their clients to fail, right? And they'll kind of interpret their job as just being like, hey, I get you the job opportunity. If you bomb the opportunity, that's on you. That's not on me. But compare that to something 
that my agents do, which I think is a good, healthy thing to do, well, they'll, they'll be like, Tasha, we want you to be writing at a really high level. Because when you can write at a high level and deliver a feature script or a TV show that everyone loves, that means that will get you more work. And that means greater career longevity in the long run. So to write at a high level, they know that I have to be spending quality time on the thing that I'm writing. Now, a bad agent might try to get me as many jobs as I can possibly sign up for before my hand gets tired and then just pile on those jobs. Oh, because Tasha's real hot right now. We got to get her a job because everyone is thinking about her. Yeah. But a good agent relationship is one where they're thinking less of the bottom line right now and more about how to set my career up for success in the long term, a career that will just keep on giving, right? So like one thing my agents check in with me about, I would say at least once a month, maybe one and a half months, is they'll, they'll call me and say, hey, Tasha, how is your workload going? How are you handling everything? Are you able to balance work and life? And one of my agents will be like, I hope you're not sleeping and I hope you're only working. <laughs> but but Mark <laughs> will be some, like, Tasha, I truth. hope you're spending time with your fiance. Because, you know, it's I want I want you to Mark, engage. Wait. Mark says that? No, Mark Mark's Mark's good. I think Mark approves of a work life balance. Mm. <laughs> Highly suspicious, Mark. Mm. <laughs> well, I like it because it if I could, I would take on a million jobs at once just because I love things, right? <laughs> like my brain loves the IP and just stories. And yeah. but they're very good about like, Tasha, you probably shouldn't engage on this open writing assignment that you like because like all your projects will suffer and that's really bad for your career. So that's another aspect of career guiding that I think is the mark of a good relationship. All right. All right. That's it. That's all I have to say about career guiding. Okay. That's great. <laughs> All right. I think the third thing that agents are really expected to do if you have a good relationship is they give you accurate and up-to-date information about the industry and about the people who work in it. So Josh, what does this look like for you, this aspect? Well, I was just going to ask you the same thing because for me, it's only when I inquire. If I have mm -hmm. a specific question, that's where I get the update. But I feel like I have a, I mean, hey, listen the act two network, you know, like I I'm, and I sincerely mean that like there was, I, I'm fortunate to operate in a world where I'm kind of aware of some of the moving parts. Mm -hmm. We talk about it through act two. We talk about it outside of act two. I talk about it with Dave, my wife, like I'm kind of aware of what the industry is, uh, looking for mm -hmm. at certain times. I get, I mean, that's, that's, let me take that back. I'm not aware of what people are looking for. That's fucking stupid. I, I never think you should write what people are looking for. But I think you know what I mean. Like I, you generally understand I, like the moving parts of things. Yeah, and sort of who the big names are in the industry. That kind of one hundred percent. I yeah. I read Deadline often, daily. Yeah. I I'm constantly reading entertainment news, and I say this just because I I don't reach out to my reps and be like and say like hey can I get an update on what's going on in like the entertainment landscape and like what, <laughs> who moved and who's this and who's yeah. that? Because I feel like I have a pretty good handle on it. Right. Did right. that answer your question? Yeah, that does answer the question. And I would say I live somewhere in the middle there. Like I will definitely not reach out to just be like, hey, update, what is the current 
landscape in the industry look like it's always more specific and it is great because sometimes i will say take a meeting at such and such company and that company has a deal at universal say and that company has pitched me a project that's an open assignment that i could get and i'm excited by it so i email my agents post meeting and I say this, this, and this about what we talked about on oh, this project's really exciting that they pitched me. And then I'll get a phone call from my agent saying, that's great, Tasha. I'm glad that was really exciting for you. But just so you know, the executive on that project just left this week. They got fired and now they're at this company. And so that project is probably going to be dead. So they can give me that information that helps me inform informs me on what my decision should be on that project. And that's just information that I won't know, that I just, I don't have my ear to the ground that way. I actually don't read Deadline and Variety every day, and I should, and I know I should, but I don't. So I definitely use oh. them for that. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's probably the, for me at least, like the only thing I would use them for, mm -hmm. just to find out if some, like actually this happened, uh, during 2020, I was pitching something and it just so happened to be at a time when this one streamer was merging with someone else and there was a sale somewhere and like all, it was all these crazy things uh, going on. And basically I was getting these updates like, hey, there's people who are moving. They don't know what's going on over there. It's a little messy right now. It's gonna be figured out in a couple months. Like, and those are the kind of updates that I'll get that I yeah. obviously wouldn't have known. Yeah, those are super important. I think another thing I'll do as well is say, hey, I just met with so-and-so. They pitched this book that they have. Do you have any sense if this company has money for development or would they expect me to do it for free? Because I don't personally like talking about money in my generals. So that's something I can ask them afterwards and they can investigate or they may already know that answer. So it's, it's asking specific questions that can be helpful. And another example of how this looks, I think on a day-to-day -day basis is this just happened to me recently where I emailed my TV agent and I told him, hey, I love this IP basically as much as I love to breathe. <laughs> and can you look wow. into what's going on with it? Because I saw that it had been in development several times but I hadn't heard anything about it recently. So I was like, maybe it's dead. Maybe they're looking for someone to, to pick up the ball. Harry and so Potter. he, so, so he's, <laughs> no comment. So he started calling oh. people and what was cool is he sent me an email halfway through his little detective work to just say like, hey, I'm still looking into this. This is what I found so far. And this is who I'm gonna be talking to next. Just want you to know that I'm still looking into it. And he finally came back with an answer a few weeks later and we figured out what was going on with the project. And that's something that I could not have really done myself. I mean, maybe I could have. I think some people aren't as honest with writers as they are with agents, weirdly. So it's, and it's also just good to delegate, right? So it was nice to be able to be like, hey, look into this. I'm writing over here, but hey, would you mind looking into this? And another example is I send my agents articles all the time of, you know, this company that, just got the life rights to this person. And that's really cool and interesting to me. And I asked them to look into where they are in their writer search about that. And they can help you with that information. They should. So that's just part of what a good agent writer relationship looks like. Yeah. <laughs> no comment. You have the best relationship ever. I don't even know what else to say. Oh, I love them so much. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I think, and this is related, but slightly different, which is, I think a good relationship with your reps 
means that they are giving you career advice so that you can make an informed decision rather than making all the decisions for you. So rather than telling you what you should do, they're saying, here's the information, Tasha. You may fail, but at least you have the information. <laughs> you know? Totally. And what's so interesting is recently I had a conversation with them where we were talking about all the failures I have had in my career. And cool. and but it was a very hope in a hopeful way where they were like, we couldn't have told you these things back then, Tasha. Like the, the things we're telling you now, we couldn't have told you back then because you wouldn't have accepted them or heard them. Right. You had to have gone through these stumbles before you understood what we were kind of saying. So that that to me was like, oh, they've been kind of shepherding me this whole time, rather than giving me stuff that I wasn't ready for, they've gradually brought my career higher and higher. And that to me was just, I was like weirdly touched by that, <laughs> like that they that they knew that I'd failed and was like learning from my mistakes and did say how important that was, that there are a lot of writers who do fail and don't learn from their mistakes. And that's just important for them as agents to see that in their writers, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> That's just a tactic they say and they, what they use when their writer is succeeding. They're like, you know what? You had to You're experience welcome. all the failure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have just listened to us. Hilarious. I buy it. Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Way to go, Mark. <laughs> this is Mark's going to be like, who the fuck is what's this guy from? <laughs> what does Josh hate me? <laughs> Uh, no, but I think I think this is important. The the making informed decisions thing. It's very kind of parental, right? And a good a good parent does this, I think. And there was this job opportunity that came up recently, and one of my agents is kind of funny. One of my agents felt like I should not waste my time with it, and she gave all her reasons why. And then my other agent had this counter argument, and did think I should put time into it, and then gave all their reasons why. And it was like this debate oh. club back and forth and they were very honest about what they thought and ultimately were like okay tasha you're you're an adult now go off make your informed decision based on the things that we talked about and let us know what you decide and that to me is the relationship i want that was really well said you laid out like a perfect roadmap for a good agent or rep relationship good i think that's what it that's what it should look like that is the healthiest form of a relationship with your reps and if you don't have that Go back to our earlier episodes about how to get it <laughs> because we talk a lot about the practical things that a writer can be doing to make those things possible. But yeah, this is a snapshot, I think, of what it could look like in different versions because you and I have different versions of what that relationship is. Totally. And there's another thing. Uh, this last thing I'll say is I have to, I'm not just saying this because it's my experience, but I've talked to a lot of people who have managers and those managers really are kind of the job description is it's very yeah. similar. Like, oh, there, there's, there's, there's who knows if we're even going to have agents and managers at some point. I suspect we will. But there, there, there's things that um, I think my manager does that let's just say managers probably didn't do like. When, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. 100%. Yeah, I agree. We'll do another episode about my manager because our relationship is super different. She's not an agent at all. She hmm. doesn't ever get me jobs. <laughs> one day, I'm going to bring John on. We, we're one day we're going to have 
my manager can we on. have john and michelle my manager on at the same time and just oh, see I how that goes that would, you know i like to see <laughs> awkward stuff but that that might be <laughs> that, i like to see uncomfortable situations but it's just even have them go me, at that, it about what a manager <laughs> relationship just, should look like just i'll stop just i'll like turn <laughs> off my computer <laughs> oh that'd be rough yeah, get some popcorn for that one. I was going to say one last thing. Do it. Expectations are key in these relationships. And Go I think on. you touched on it of like what my goal is for the year and moving mm -hmm. forward. But I really think because as you as we've been talking, I was like, oh, these are my expectations of my agent. So this is normal to me, like my mm -hmm. working relationship. And I'm not like thrown off by it. And you have certain expectations of yours because of what they do for you. And I think, you know, like anything, like, like watching a movie, it's like expectations are key. That's all. Are you saying keep the bar low or just understand? No, no, no. I think you, you said, a, it, I mean, like the, the big takeaway and theme of this is communication, I think, of this episode. Mm -hmm. So I think if you just communicate your expectations, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, that will kind of set where your bar is. But no, never set a fucking bar low. I totally Ever. agree. I think so many writers don't have that candid conversation with their reps. Yeah. Which if, if they don't have that starting ground to work from, how can they possibly just know what's in your head and what you're expecting? So yeah, that's a really great point. Wow. Quote of the day. Now it's By ready. Josh Holman. <laughs> <laughs> set your expectations. <laughs> All right, quote of the day. Do not be told something is impossible. There is always a way. Robert Rodriguez. All right, that is a peek into what we think our good relationships with our reps looks like. If you have any questions about anything we've talked about, you actually maybe want us to go into more detail about any of those things, please let us know. We definitely can. You can reach out to us on our brand new Twitter at Act2Writers yeah. or email us directly at Act2Writers at gmail.com. Please remember to rate and subscribe. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And me, Josh Hallman, on Instagram and Joshua Hallman on Twitter. And as always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm -hmm.